The approaches and achievements of public health and clinical medicine are often framed as dichotomies, population health and prevention on the one side, individual health and treatment on the other. But increasingly, there's an understanding that the two fields are complementary. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with David Hunter, a Professor of Epidemiology and Medicine at the University of Oxford, Professor Emeritus at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, and a Statistical Editor at the Journal. As part of the journal's new series on the fundamentals of public health, Dr. Hunter has written a perspective article about the complementarity of public health and medicine. Dr. Hunter, could you talk about the way in which public health and medicine have traditionally been conceptualized? Why have they been seen as separate and sometimes in conflict? Well, there's a lot of history behind this, and the history goes back in the U.S. more than 100 years. It goes back to the growth of medical schools as institutions that were focused on hospital-based care and the growth of those medical schools and those institutions was often very, very separate and distinct from what had previously existed, which was public health institutions based often around provision of water and sanitation. So medicine sort of went off in one direction often in a very academic and specific direction, usually focused on treating patients better. And public health was just in a different world, emerging from the initial focus on water and sanitation, but then extending to a very, very wide array of different disciplines that didn't have contact with medicine. So that dichotomy existed largely due to the sort of fundamental philosophies and over the last decades, it's become apparent that it's really important to bring these two areas together and treat them as a continuum. So looking at those public health efforts that you just mentioned, in your article, you write that over the course of the 20th century, life expectancy increased by about 30 years in the United States and by nearly 40 years around the world. How much of that improvement can be attributed to those public health efforts as opposed to medical progress in general? So it's difficult to put precise numbers on those improvements. But pretty much everybody who's tried has attributed the majority, sometimes up to 80 or 90% of that life expectancy improvement to public health activities. Now, a lot of this is due to the fact that if you can really do something serious about infant mortality, which has certainly happened in the US and happened in many places around the world, infant mortality has plummeted over 100 years that automatically extends life expectancy substantially. And infant mortality is very much linked to clean water, sanitation, diet, and more recently in the second half of the 20th century, immunization. So those are mainly public health activities, which is not to diminish the role of prevention of maternal mortality during childbirth and neonatal resuscitation and all of the good things that we've learned about how to improve early life for children from a medical perspective. But much of this has been due to just better conditions in society and public health improvements as the benefits of water, sanitation, electrification, all of those things have improved. And what about health inequities? To what extent are the differential outcomes we see influenced by public health factors? And to what extent are they related to unequal medical care? So again, it's a bit of both, but probably the majority are what we would consider as public health provision, that if we are not able to, even in this country, provide good nutrition, to provide good immunization statistics to certain areas of the country or certain groups in the country, that pays off into poorer health for much longer. 
uh, again, not to minimize the fact that access to both preventive and curative care is critical. And so we've got to be working on both of these sides. There's no point people coming very sick or prematurely sick to hospital and then expecting the hospitals to pick up the pieces if we can prevent those diseases through good public health practice and stop people coming to the hospital in the first place. Ultimately, of course, we're all going to get sick with various ailments and illnesses, and we absolutely want to be able to access high-quality curative care when we need it. But prevention, again, is critically important, and that's got a lot to do with the standard public health practices that are still inequitably distributed around the country and certainly massively inequitably distributed around the world. So in order to deal with that and with the historic disconnection between medicine and public health, moving forward, how can healthcare systems incorporate a broader view of health that incorporates public health perspective into their care processes? Well, that's largely a function of the type of health system a country has. So in a country like the UK, for example, with a national health system, traditionally at least, there's been a greater focus on the public health aspects integrating that with the hospital-based system and with primary care as the bridge. In fact, that sort of rosy view of the National Health Service in the UK has been challenged over the last few decades as lack of investment in both public health and hospital-based health has caused differentials to emerge in both the spectrum of illness life expectancy, and the ability of people to access healthcare. So even in a national health system, things often do not operate as well as they should. So from an international perspective, it's worth knowing that in many countries, people don't see this dichotomy between public health and clinical care, but it's for a different reason. It's really more semantic. In countries where the government essentially provides most health care, those are, quote, public hospitals. And people often think when you're talking about the public health system that you're really talking about the public hospital system. So that's just a further semantic note that it's important to note for particularly the international audience. But in those countries, there's still a great need to hook up the activities that are more upstream related to providing people with the best possible living circumstances, providing people with vaccinations, immunizations, clean water and sanitation to release the burden on what is often a very overburdened, quote, public hospital system or public health system. And in those countries, there's often a greater degree of at least understanding of the need to integrate those activities because it's the government-based public health system that bears the burden of larger numbers of cases where cases could have been prevented. But in a country like ours, where access to the hospital system is largely based on provision or not of insurance, at least until you get older than 65 and Medicare kicks in, we have had this substantial dichotomy and we've always understood that the hospitals are not necessarily public goods. They're either for-profit or locally based not-for-profit. And that semantic distinction doesn't exist. So there's a little more of a dichotomy in the public's mind between the public health activities and the pay-as-you-go hospital-based activities. Finally, for individual physicians, how can an understanding of the importance of public health and its relationship with medicine inform day-to-day -day clinical practice? So I think the really important thing is that we continue to educate clinicians about all of the activities that are going on in public health and vice versa, that public health people are more aware of the opportunities 
that clinical care provide, but also the pressures that clinical care providers are under. So really just breaking down the walls and understanding again that this is a continuum, not two separate walls, is important. And a lot of that is in public health education and medical education. In public health, we tend to configure this as a multidisciplinary activity. We involve architects, urban planners, we involve economists, and so it's a very multidisciplinary activity. In medicine, we tend to think a little more of interprofessional activities, so the spectrum of the different medical professions, understanding what each other do, what all of the medicine, nursing, and allied health professionals do has become more a focus, but we need to extend that into better understanding of public health activities, which is not to say that we're going to turn every clinician into a public health person, and certainly we're not going to turn public health people into clinicians. We don't want that. We just want a broader understanding of how we maintain health, both by preventing disease in the first place, but also then by optimally treating those diseases when they do occur. And to really understand that this is all one big ecology, one big infrastructure that needs to function well in order to optimize population health. Thank you, Dr. Hunter.